0: Welcome to another episode of With Religion Behind Me, the podcast where I, Javier, will share stories and experiences of my life growing up as a Jehovah's Witness. First and foremost, I want to thank you for uh, checking this episode out, and for anybody who has listened to any of the previous episodes of this podcast, I appreciate that support as well. I know nowadays there are lots of options for podcasts, uh, lots of different content out there, so I appreciate you giving giving this uh, episode and this podcast a chance. So, that being said, let's go ahead and get right into today's episode. All right, so today's episode, we're going to be talking about friendships uh loneliness um we're gonna touch a little bit about um my being disfellowshipped so i know i have talked about um the fact that i was disfellowshipped as a matter of fact i was disfellowshipped two times um in my time as a Jehovah's witness. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, I won't go into very great detail about the entire process, um, because I do plan on having an episode dedicated to that. Um, and I do plan on having that episode, um, come out here shortly. Um, I'm actually working on getting some, um, kind of current information on that. Um, just to make sure I explain certain things correctly. Um, I I don't know why. Um, It's not necessarily that I'm trying to defend or um, kind of preserve the Jehovah's Witness name, but at the same time, I do want to provide um, accurate information. Um, Although when I started this podcast, I know I said I wasn't trying to um, necessarily be negative about Jehovah's Witness. Um, and I still don't necessarily wanna be negative just to be negative, as I explained in the last episode. I am going to be more honest about how I feel about certain things. I think that has changed since I started recording. Um I, I talked about that in the previous episode. If you haven't listened to the previous episode, um, I suggest um that you do. Uh the episode with religion behind me. I celebrate Halloween. I kinda touch on um the absence of the podcast for several weeks. Um and I do talk about kind of some of the changes that I foresee for this podcast uh, moving forward. So um, that will help kind of understand kind of where I go with this particular episode. Um, So if you want to stop uh, listening to this episode and check out the I celebrate Halloween episode um, that will help uh, moving forward with this one. So let's say that you did that. You just stopped. You went and listened to I celebrate Halloween and now you're back. Awesome. Thank you for going and checking that episode out. Um, So, loneliness friendships um my being disfellowship we're gonna talk about that um specifically the reason i want to talk about this and um not trying to get super deep or prophetic about this um i had a dream um several weeks ago where i was back in my apartment um my first apartment that i had when i moved out on my own so this would have been in madison wisconsin Um, i'm from wisconsin originally um and this dream i had it was back into my old apartment um and i remember that dream being alone um eerily eerily i don't know if that's coming out right but in an eerie way let's say it's halloween right or it's october so everything's spooky right now in a very eerie way i felt alone in that dream um I don't know if you can feel loneliness in a dream, I don't know if that makes sense, but I swear that's what that dream felt like. It. it I was very present and very aware. Um, I know there are times when, when you dream, um, you kind of remember little bits and pieces of your dream, so it kind of just feels like maybe, you know, that's what it was. No, I swear when I was dreaming this dream, it just was I was alone and I remember feeling alone in this dream. Well. Cut to several, a few nights ago. Um, and that's kind of what made me wake up and, and start jotting some notes down about, you know, that first dream and then this last dream that I had. I had another dream, another dream um, about loneliness. Now, this one was a little bit different because in my first dream, I was just truly alone. So I was in that apartment. And now keep in mind, uh, when I first moved out, I was 18. Okay. So, you know, I, I had a good job for being an 18 year old, but I didn't have like a career job yet where, you know, I could afford a really nice place and afford furniture and groceries. It was very much, you know, goodwill or, you know, hand me down furniture from, um, you know, uh, friends of the family, um, congregation, you know, things like that. Uh, cause at that time I was still a witness. So, um, it was, you know, it would have been easy for me to say, Hey, I'm moving out. Does anybody have any furniture that they're trying to get rid of? I had a couch. Um, <laughs> I don't know if uh, I, I just talked to my buddy about this. Um, not too long. He's, he said he doesn't really remember, but I remember somebody, um, gifted me a couch and holy shit, did that thing stink, man. It was it was like somebody pissed on that couch. And that's probably why they gave it up. Um, I'm not trying to, you know, um, make anybody feel ridiculous or embarrassed. But I do remember the uh, the place that I went to go pick up the couch. Um, at the time, I had a little Ford Ranger, so I was able to load that thing up in the back. Um, it was it was somebody who, but it made sense why that, that couch stunk. Um, you know, at the, in the moment I probably should have just said, Hey, you know what, I'm, I'm actually going to pass, but you know, it's a free couch. It was actually a futon couch, um, which, you know, the whole point of, you know, being social and having friends, right. Is So you can have people stay over, you know, or whatever. So I thought, Hey, this is pretty great. You know, I'm getting a free futon couch. Um, yeah, it, it stunk, smelled like piss. Um, I know my buddy said he doesn't remember, but I remember him waking up the next day and be like, dude, that thing smelled like this. Um, so anyway, um, just to kind of just let, you know, envision that apartment, you know, not anything fancy in it. it had a couch, had a kitchen. My bed was just a mattress on the floor. Um, had a few, you know, shower things. Very, very much a first apartment. Okay. But in this dream, I just remember sitting in that apartment and just being and feeling alone um and in not a good way so i know that not everybody um you know is a social person not everybody you know wants to you know go to parties and and have a million friends i actually consider myself a little bit that way i you know i really don't um my wife says i don't like people Uh, i don't know if i'd go that far i just i'm not always um the most social person um you know, when I, when I do get social, I like it to be authentic. Um, and sometimes I'm just not feeling it and, you know, kind of not really there. Um, you know, today was actually my, um, my son's birthday. Um, just celebrated his eighth birthday, had a little party for him here at the house and, you know, uh, I find it hard to socialize even in that kind of situation and that's family, right? And may not necessarily be my family, but it's family, um, you know, extended family through, through, you know, marriage with my wife. So, you know, these, these are people I know, and yet, you know, I don't always find it easy to, to socialize. Um, but yeah. So, so the point I'm trying to make with that is I respect people who, you know, understand that they're not the most social person. Okay. But, Again, this dream wasn't so much about me just not being a social person. It was truly that I had this feeling in the dream of just being alone, um, alone in the like, in, alone in like a sad way. Like in the dream, I didn't want to be alone, and yet I was alone. Um, and it's actually happened to me in real life, which is why I think when I experienced the dream, I woke up and and it. And it felt real because i know i've been in those situations before um just as an example and this has happened a million times in in my life but i'll I'll always remember this one because it really was kind of kind of eerie to me um so my, my my best buddy, uh, Serge, he and I actually have lived together. So we were, you know, best friends before living together. Um, you know, we, he ended up leaving, um, Jehovah's witness as well. So, you know, our, our friendship strengthened. Um, eventually we ended up becoming roommates. We ended up agreeing to live with each other. Um, and we lived together, I want to say for a total of five years, um, you know, a couple of different apartments. Um, and then I think for, I want to say about a, five-year span we we lived together um and i remember there was one time we were living together and i don't know if i've ever told him this so hey bud, if you're listening i don't know if i've told you this but this happened um when he went to new mexico i believe it was new mexico he went to new mexico with his family um with his with his mom um to, to go see family out there and he was gone for i want to say at least a week um and holy shit man like i just remember like that same feeling from the dream i was just i was alone in this apartment Um, and i want to say it was probably like maybe not full-blown winter but it was enough of that time of the year where it got dark early um and i just remember when he was gone it was just like i didn't know what to do i didn't i didn't have any other friends and and that's something i'll get to here in this episode so i didn't have any other friends i didn't have anybody to call and say like hey let's go do this let's go do that it was basically like he was he was my guy he was the one that you know hey you want to go do something all right cool let's go so with him gone it was like i wasn't gonna go anywhere do anything so it was just literally like in the apartment by myself. And I'm not, I'm not like a scaredy, like a scaredy cat. I'm not saying like, Oh man, I was scared that, you know, I'm you know, sleeping alone or something else. No, I don't mean like that kind of like eerie feeling. It was just, it was like, I didn't have anybody to talk to because again, keep in mind, I am now no longer associated with Jehovah's witness. I am no longer associated with anybody from, from my time in that religion. Um, that's including my mom. So it's not like I had, you know, family to go see and hang out with and, you know, friends from the congregation. No, it was literally, you know, Serge left the the religion as well. And, and he and I became even stronger friends because of that. And we lived together. And then, bam, he's on vacation for a week. And, you know, any other person would say, Javier, you're full of shit. You're overreacting. Or maybe, you know, you might be thinking to yourself, man, that's pathetic. Honestly, yes. It is pathetic because that's the point I'm trying to make is that the way I grew up has had some serious impacts on my life and how I deal with things. So using that as an example, let's talk a little bit about um, why I think that the religion kind of interfered with that. I I don't want to say like, you know, I'm blaming religion 100 percent. Um, Because, you know, it could just be personality-wise, you know, personality-wise, you know, maybe I am just wired a little bit differently. But let's talk a little bit about why I feel like religion um, has had that impact on me. So, if we look back at some of the previous episodes that I've recorded... You know, I've explained some of the, dare I say, rules or kind of expectations of being a Jehovah's Witness, and for the sake of this episode, we're really going to focus on friendships. We're going to focus on association, okay? Um, I think we've all heard maybe that saying of like, you know, tell me who you hang out with and I'll tell you who you are. At least I know I heard that one a million times growing up a Jehovah's Witness. I would like to think... That it's not just a Jehovah's Witness thing that, you know, people who are non-religious also kind of like, hey, you know, if you hang out with, you know, (laughs) you know, rough crowd, you're, you know, probably people are going to think you were involved in, you know, some rough stuff. So friendships, associations, let's talk about that. So the expectation as a Jehovah's Witness, right, is that we, or I should say at that time, we, at that time, we would understand that we cannot a hundred percent remove ourselves from the world. Um, And for those again, who just need a quick refresher world, referring to a non believer or a non Jehovah's witness is what um, you would refer to as somebody from the world or the world. Um, So for example, me growing up in school, anybody who wasn't a witness was a part of the world and I should not be associating with them. So as a Jehovah's witness, it's not to expect that I remove myself from the world, or in this case, from school. Although, there are some uh, families that do choose to homeschool their children. That is something that is very popular amongst Jehovah's Witness. Um, and it's actually kind of popular amongst other um, you know, religions and, and uh, dare I say, cult-like um, organizations. Um, at least in some of the research I've done, it's kind of, you know, a thing. Um, So with Jehovah's Witness, it's not uncommon. As a matter of fact, uh, my last two years of of, uh, high school, I actually did homeschool. Um, So yeah, it's not uncommon for for young people in Jehovah's Witness organization to be homeschooled. But for those that aren't, for those that attend normal school, public school, like I did most of my life, um, the expectation was you cannot remove yourself from the world, but you should not you know, associate with them. So what does this mean? Well, this means that I wasn't technically supposed to have friends. I wasn't supposed to go to school and, you know, um, say these people are my friends. As a matter of fact, I remember in meetings, I remember in conversations with elders and with, you know, other Jehovah's Witnesses. you weren't even supposed to say, oh, my friends from school or oh, my friends from work. That was never a term you were supposed to use. You were supposed to say, you know, your fellow students or, you know, co-workers, but you were never supposed to identify them as a friend because your friends are only in the congregation. Okay. Um, so that's kind of the first thing. Imagine um, for some of you who, you know, I'm in my, I'm in my mid thirties. I talked about this. I have kids. Um, so put yourself kind of in a child's you know, um, shoes right now, imagine telling them, like, imagine if I told my son, my eight year old son, who, well, like I said, we just had his birthday. Imagine if I told him, Hey buddy, when you go to school, you do not associate with them. You do not think of them as your friend. If they talk to you, you only tell them the minimum they need to know. And then you move on. How fucked up does that sound? Right? So imagine my son is at school and some kid is like, Hey buddy, awesome shoes cool backpack Uh, but my son is obsessed with pokemon so you know oh you just got some pokemon stuff for your birthday or for christmas cool you know blah 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 you know and you're supposed to tell this eight-year-old like you should not acknowledge them you should keep moving on like that's that's some pretty fucked up shit um so that's part of what i feel like has affected me growing up so in school i was not supposed to have any friends now if you think about it yes there are probably going to be some times where some kids who are jehovah's witness probably are going to school with a few other jehovah's witness you know um if they're from the same you know area if they're around the same age you know chances are they're probably attending the same school maybe not necessarily every same, uh, every single same class or anything like that but at least You know say for lunch oh i have a couple of witness uh friends here at school i'll eat lunch with them they won't make fun of me because i pray they won't make fun of me because i don't want to ditch so you know they have at least somebody to fall back on i'll tell you i had no jehovah's witness uh friends that went to my school so i was on my own i was out there you know representing by myself um, and times I did a shit job of representing. At times, I did stand up for what I've, you know knew based on the religion I should be standing up for. Okay? So I had no support, I had no friends. Um, and then here's the other thing. So in the congregation, at the time, I was kind of the only one in my age group. Um, as I started getting older, then we had a ton of, like, you know, five-year-olds and a ton of eight-year-olds and a ton of 10-year-olds and a ton of 11 12 13-year-olds but when i was growing up in in the religion there were not it was very much just kind of me in that age group for for my congregation so what does that mean that means i don't even have friends in the congregation either um as a matter of fact the only times i really went out and socialized um my brother he is seven years older than me and so at the time he was, you know, 15, 16, um, you know, 17 when he finally, you know, 16 when he got his license. Um, but even at like 15, 16, you know, he was starting to kind of make friends and, and, you know, for him, there were some people around his age, maybe just a few years older. So they kind of took him under his wing. Cause you know, in, in the congregation, it's also, um, very much all about kind of, you know, helping out the youth and, and, um, you know, the older, you could say the older ones in the congregation, you know, helping out the youth. So my brother, you know, he's 16, 17. So that means I'm, you know, 9, 10, 11 years old. And it's, you know, I'm going with him on some of these, you know, things. And, and keep in mind, you know, we're talking Jehovah's Witness. So I'm not saying like, <laughs> my brother was going clubbing and, uh, you know, to the bars. No, I mean, you know, the things that they did was like, go, Go to a soccer, you know, play soccer on the weekends or maybe go watch a movie or go get a bite at, you know, a Chili's or an Applebee's or something like that. Right. Nothing that's going to be immoral and dangerous. Nothing to wear if a nine year old to an 11 year old is tagging along that there's going to be any issue. But you also know Jehovah's Witness aren't perfect, right? I'll be the first to admit it, no matter how much one may want to pretend to be. We all know humans are not perfect. So my brother, being a 15, 16, 17-year-old teenager, the last thing he wants is to bring his 9-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old brother, right? So there would be times where, like my mom, the only way that she would let my brother go is if she took me with. So imagine, put yourself in my shoes for a second. So not only do I not have friends in school, let me rephrase that. Not only am I not allowed to have friends in school, but now I don't have any friends in the congregation. And then the friends that I sort of have are actually my brother's friends. They're not even really my friends. I'm just, you know, my brother's little brother, okay? That's not really a good good feeling, okay? Um, And the reason why I say I wasn't allowed to have friends, I am by no means... Tooting my own horn. I have been honest, I believe, in the in the prior episodes, I have a very low self confidence. Um, I don't really believe, you know, much about myself. But what I do know is that if I wanted to have friends and was allowed to have friends in elementary school and middle school and high school, I, I think I would have been okay. Um, I think I had enough people that liked me. I think I had, you know, enough. Um, social awareness to know who I fit in with and who I didn't. Um, so I think if I had been given some freedom with that, I actually would have been okay. I actually feel like I would have, I would have had some friends. Um, another aspect to think about is I didn't have any neighborhood friends. Okay. Cause remember when I get home from school, what are my responsibilities to study, not my homework study, Bible study to prepare for the meeting, to do my personal study, to do my Bible reading. And it's a meeting night. Okay. Now I have to shower and put my suit on and go to the meeting and get home really late. And then the next morning, go to school, come back, do that all over again. So it's not like I ever had time to really like, just go outside and play in the neighborhood with the kids. Um, I think I might've shared that, that story about, um, at one point, one of the aspects of meetings was actually held, um, at my parents' house. And so my house or my parents' house, I should say, was, you know, once a week converted into, you know, kind of a, um, location of, of worship. And I remember there'd be every once in a while, like somebody would knock on my door from school, you know, cause again, even though I wasn't technically supposed to have friends and even though I technically couldn't call them my friends, I had people that I hung out with. Right. Um, and so they would come to my house and, and be like, hey, man, we're going to go do this. We're going to go do that. Come with us. And I would answer the door in a, in a full blown suit and be like, no, nah, I can't. And then the next day they'd be like, you know, what's up with the suit? And, you know, I always had to come up with some sort of excuse because, you know, I'm not going to tell. It, it, it was really interesting, like when I would just be 100 percent honest, be like, oh, I'm a Jehovah's Witness, my parents. I almost kind of look back. And wonder if instead of like trying to come up with all these weird excuses or weird reasons for why I was wearing a suit, if I had just said, yeah, my parents are Jehovah's Witness and I have to do this every once in a while, they probably would have been like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, you know, parents making their kids do something. Who who hasn't experienced that? But I think I was always still so torn because part of me wanted to be a Jehovah's Witness, but part of me also wanted to have friends and kind of do worldly things. I had to kind of be, you know, sneaky about it or, you know, lie about it. So, I almost wonder if I would have just been a little more honest and blunt, like if it wouldn't have been taken so like, ah, that's kind of weird. Um, but anyway, no neighborhood friends either. Okay, so I don't have neighborhood friends because I don't have time to and I'm not allowed to unless they happen to be Jehovah's Witnesses as well, but even then they should be <laughs> getting ready for meetings and studying and doing all that too, right? I mean, you know, I don't want to say, like, Jehovah's Witness don't let their kids play, but goddamn, sometimes it seems like Jehovah's Witness don't let their kids play. Um, I remember there was one time, this was, we went to Mexico um, as a family, but we flew. This was one of those times where we didn't drive, and the reason we didn't drive is because we were actually bringing. So one of my mom's best friends, um, who's also Jehovah's Witness, she came with us to Mexico. She she is not from uh, Mexico. She is uh, from Puerto Rico, but I think I think she was born in Puerto Rico. Like her family is. I think she was born in uh, shit. I'm sorry. I keep bumping my microphone. Um, I think she was born like new york or something um, but anyway, she's of like puerto Rican descent so she she was a hispanic she was a latina um so she came with us to mexico and we went to um the bethel headquarters in mexico because bethel is kind of all over the world um so even though the corporate headquarters for jehovah's witness is in new york or bethel brooklyn new york um they have you know other you know corporate offices like all across the world as well. And Mexico city was one of them. So we went, you know, we did the tour and we, you know, we got to, you know, meet some really interesting people and go through, you know, Bethel and, um, you know, check that out. And I'll probably do an episode on that, um, at some point, uh, cause it is, there's a lot, um, to talk about with Bethel. Um, I know I'm kind of just going over it real quick, but, um, Bethel is an interesting topic. Um, but yeah so i went to the Me- mexico city bethel and as we were given the tour we stopped at the weight room literally it's like a gym on the campus of you know bethel for jehovah's witness and you know i'm younger so like i say, oh this is cool you know uh, a weight room and you know oh that's cool all these machines and all these all this equipment and i remember the brother giving us the tour said oh yeah this room is hardly ever used And I remember asking him, like, why? And he's like, oh, well, you know, with all the things we have to do, you know, nobody has time to come in here, you know. And I remember that was probably one of the few times I did kind of have a little bit of, like, a what are you talking about kind of moment. Because in my head, I'm like, you're telling me you don't have a half an hour in a day to come and just get a workout in. Or the other thing is, why the fuck have a weight room then? If if you're almost telling me that nobody comes and uses it almost as, like, a, a... a flex, as to say like, oh yeah, we're so committed and so busy with the religion that we don't even have time to work out. Then why have the why have that room? Why even build it? Then that's just a waste of money. Um but anyway, I didn't like I didn't say this necessarily out loud or didn't like have this be the thing that started to like make me question everything. But in retrospect it was kind of like now that I look back at it I'm like, Jesus, that's either the dumbest flex in the world or a seriously just misuse of resources um so i say that because this is what i mean by like jehovah's witnesses are all about meetings preaching bible reading like when i when i'm jokingly said you know jehovah's witness don't let their kids play i mean i'm kind of joking but i'm kind of not like it's it's not a very you know again we've already Touched on this a little bit, and it's an episode I plan on doing very in in depth. Jehovah's Witness aren't aren't going to be on the sports team. Like as much as I would have loved to play sports, it's it's something I, I never did because again there was no time. Everything was meeting 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 Bible Bible Bible. Um, <clears throat> so we've kind of talked about a couple of things um, that I feel like have contributed to my loneliness and my depression as an adult okay so we've talked about that there you know no neighborhood friends right i didn't technically have any friends in the congregation because of my age range i technically didn't have any friends at school because i wasn't allowed to so let's talk about briefly when i was disfellowshipped the first time because this is an important one to talk about the reason why it's important to really talk about the first time I was disfellowshipped was because I was still a minor. So I'm still I was still living at home. Obviously, I'm a minor. I'm not allowed to live on my own yet. Um, and as a minor, I'm not going to be... I'll be shunned from the congregation, but I won't be shunned from my family. And I'll explain that in detail when I do record the disfellowshipped episode, which, like I said, it should be out here shortly. Um, kind of really working on the notes for that one, because I, I really want that one to... To be understood properly um but yeah so i'm a minor so i can't i can't talk literally cannot talk to anybody in the congregation um if i if i'm at the meeting which this is this is an important aspect to keep in mind so when you're disfellowshipped you are shunned from the congregation you know is another way of saying it um but you are not suddenly you know expected to not be at meetings so the interesting thing is you are no longer a jehovah's witness officially but you still better be at the meetings you still better be doing your bible study you better still be doing your personal um reading of the bible and you are still expected to do everything that you would as a normal jehovah's witness the only difference now is that you are not allowed to talk to anybody And when I say you are not allowed to talk to anybody, I mean, you are not allowed to say hello. You are not allowed to say goodbye. That is, I never thought I would say this because for the longest time, I actually kind of defended Jehovah's Witness in in their disfellowshipping of people. That's fucked up. Okay. Um, I remember when I was disfellowshipped. Again, I'm still expected to do everything. Nothing has changed. I'm still expected to be at the, all the meetings. I'm still expected to be at the conventions where there's thousands of people, and thousands of those people do not know that I'm disfellowshipped because it's not like you know you go through a check- in process and oh, you're a disfellowship person oh we're gonna we're gonna put a red band on your wrist or something. No, nobody knows the only people that know that I'm disfellowshipped are the people from my congregation now granted maybe somebody from my congregation is going to share that information with a friend who's from a different congregation so maybe somebody might know but officially nobody knows other than my congregation so on more than one occasion when I've been at these conventions shit even at a meeting if there's somebody new that doesn't know that I'm just fellowship, they'll come up and be like hi I'm so-and-so and I literally have to look them in the face and say I'm disfellowshipped. That's all I'm supposed to say. I don't even get to say, oh, it's nice to meet you. I wish I could talk to you, but I'm disfellowshipped. Or, oh, well, welcome to our congregation. Welcome to, in some cases, it was people that were coming from other countries or other states to visit or maybe even moved. Welcome to Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome to the United States. Welcome, brother. You know, we all love you here. Unfortunately, just so you know, I'm disfellowshipped nope I had to just say I'm disfellowshipped as if to say don't fucking look at me or something bad will happen to you I, I really now fucking think it's horrible um, so yeah I went through that and I went through that as a minor so already you know I'm struggling as it is to have friendships with people you know, because of my age, because of the fact that I go to public school. Now you factor in that I'm just fellowshiped. And so I'm literally not even allowed to say hi or goodbye to somebody. Um, and to emphasize on this point, so I like to chat with my buddy, Serge, um, before I record, you know, it just kind of helps, you know, kind of gather up some stories or maybe some things like He listens to the pod and he'll be like, oh, man, you know, you should have said this or, oh, you know, you should have pointed out that. And, yeah, I mean, sometimes he's right. Like, shit, I forgot about that. And, you know, we have millions of stories because we've been through so much together. Um, But one thing that when we were talking about uh, this episode, because I kind of gave him an idea of of what I wanted to talk about on this episode. um, He sent me a note and said, hey, can you please, you know, include this? So he said, please mention This is his words. He said, please mention that I, too, suffered from it, knowing I couldn't even acknowledge my best friend, even though we were breathing the same air. So what does he mean by that? So that means I could literally be sitting fucking next to him and he is not to look at me, say hello to me, say goodbye to me. He should just act as if I'm not there. That's a fucked up thing to do to a human being. OK, I to a certain degree understand why. Why? the you know kind of reasoning behind that is and again i'll get into a lot more detail of that on the actual episode where we talk about um disfellowshipping but just to kind of bring that point kind of out to light right now it's still pretty fucked up how you treat somebody when you you know have them disfellowshipped already somebody is struggling with you know how to be social and and depression and friendships and loneliness and then you do this kind of shit it to a certain degree like it's a no wonder man that i have those kind of fucking dreams because (laughs) i I went through i went through some stuff um and it's taken this pod for me to kind of understand that a lot of that stuff is not normal um so speaking of surge So I just explained to you what he wanted me to make sure I I talked about in this pod. So the latest dream that I had involved him as well. Um, He actually lives out of on a state. Well, I live out of state, too. I'm not from I'm not in Wisconsin anymore. I'm no longer living in Wisconsin. Um, And he actually moved away from Wisconsin as well. So he doesn't even live in Wisconsin. But in this dream that I had, somehow we were, you know, together again, roommates um, still living in Wisconsin in this dream. um, He had plans already when I says when I was like, hey, man, let's let's go do this or let's go do that. He already had plans. And in the dream, it was back to that loneliness. It was realizing that the only person that I had the ability to say, hey, let's do something was not available. And I have a real life example of that. Um, so, the vacation one was was hard because we were living together and we were on good terms, and I still didn't have any. I still didn't have any other friends outside of him. There's another example, and he and I talked about this one um, when he was here visiting uh, over the summer. And it has to do with a fight he and I had. We've been best friends forever now, and we have never fought with each other. We have never, I mean, to the point where when we did live together and even like before living together and after living together, um, not so much after, but before and during living together, um, you know, if one of us was like, Hey man, uh, I'm a little short, you know, this, this month on, on some money, you mind loaning me a hundred bucks or 200 bucks or something like that. We did it. We didn't, we never felt any fear of like, Oh man, you know, lending money amongst friends, that's going to ruin the friendship. No, we never had any issues with money, we never had any issues with living together and, you know, the apartment, nothing. We've always had a solid friendship, solid relationship. However, there was a time way back in the day uh, I was already out of or I was starting to leave the, the religion. I wasn't 100 percent out, but I definitely wasn't active anymore. So I was considered inactive. And he hadn't really started leaving the religion like heavily yet either, um, and I don't. When we were talking about this over the summer, I don't remember exactly what it was that I was mad about, but I was mad about something with him, and he like didn't really know that I was mad until I, you know, fucking said I was mad about it, and then out of nowhere I just said fuck you, and we didn't talk for like I don't know, say like three weeks to maybe maybe over a month even. During that time, I had nobody i I wasn't out of the religion enough to have made some connections to where maybe I could be like, "Well, shit, like I'll go at least to the bar with somebody or whatever no, I was just not I didn't have anybody and so um, you know we didn't we weren't talking, we weren't doing anything, and so I was just like sitting there every fucking day, and again, it was you know kind of the those colder months of the year so it got dark early um and i just remember it just sucked and and eventually i finally just was like dude this is not worth it i texted i was like hey man let's go get some wings uh our friendship's always been (laughs) kind of heavily based on food um so that was like eventually i mean i did like truly apologize and say like i'm sorry man it was stupid but i think my first text to him was just simply like hey you want to go get some wings um at the time, we were really into, into uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, and that was back when they actually did, like, their Tuesday uh, bone-in 25-cent wings. So it was, like, cheap. Um, and so I said, you know, hey, let's go get some wings. And then the rest is history. We've never really ever fought like that. We've never, I mean, we you know, gotten on each other's nerves, you know. I'm, I'm sure he'll say the same thing. There's nights where he would irritate the shit out of me. Um, um, there was times where I would irritate the shit out of him. Like that's no secret, but we never fought. We never had any true issues with each other. Um, so we're, you know, we were square. we were back on track. Um, but to this day, obviously I'm married now and, uh, you know, I have kids. So like this idea of going out or socializing isn't like as worrisome on my mind anymore. But honestly, I still don't feel like I have friends. So perfect example of this. Is I struggle to consider somebody a friend. I don't like using that term with anybody that is in search because I don't feel like I'm. I can say that confidently. Um, for example, so uh, when I moved to to Ohio, I started working for the hospital I work for now, and um, I met I met this guy at work, coworker. Um, you know, cool dude, awesome fucking dude. And, you know, we have a lot of things in common, um, kind of similar personalities, similar, you know, kind of, you know, interests, things like that. Music wise, definitely, you know, is what we kind of um, found out, you know, we definitely have in common. So we definitely started with that. Gone to see shows with him like all, you know, anybody would say, I mean, shit, my wife has said it. She's like, he's your friend. And in my head, I'm like, no, he's not. I don't know what he is he's somebody I've hung out with. He's somebody I've gone to see shows with, but for the life of me, I can't consider somebody a friend because I don't have that confidence. I don't have that confidence to call somebody a friend. Um, and I attribute a lot of that to how I grew up. I, I, I have a very hard time with that word because I just, I I don't know. I don't, I don't feel it. Serge is the only guy that I can truly say is my best friend. He's my fucking brother. Like that's never going to be an issue, but anybody else, any other situation, I can't do it. Um, I have a very bad habit, or had a very bad habit because now, um, you know, it, like I said, I'm married and have kids. Like I don't really go out and stuff, but back in the day when I used to go out because of my insecurity, because of my lack of confidence, because I have no friends, I bought friendships. Um, so when we would go out, I bought dinner, I bought drinks, I bought things because I wanted to make sure that who I was hanging out with wanted to continue hanging out with me. Um, I remember, I didn't plan on talking about this, but I remember there was one night, um, there was or I should say there was one summer where I was living with, with this guy from work. Um, really, really cool dude. Again, would probably never consider him my friend because I don't consider people friends just because of, of my, you know, lack of confidence. But, um, I lived with this guy. He, he had his own house and he rented me a room and, you know, we became, you know, quote unquote friends. Um, and I remember I was part of a a summer volleyball uh, league with him and a bunch of his friends and stuff like that. And so, you know, I got to know some people, they, you know, got to know me and I I would talk with them, hang out with them. And I remember the weekend or not the weekend, but I remember when my dad had his, um, had his fall. And then when he ultimately passed the first time I went to that, um, volleyball match after my dad died, I remember thinking, man, nobody really seemed to give a shit that my dad just died. Like, I think like, you know, for the most part, some of them did like give me a you know a quick hug or, you know, did oh, I'm sorry for your loss, blah, blah, blah. But there was a few of them that I remember like, it was just like, it was just in the other night. And so that's when I knew I'm like, okay, some of these people aren't actually my friends. They're just people I hang out with. And, and as an adult, I think you have a little bit more of, you know, kind of being able to acknowledge that and, and see that. Um, I think when you're younger, you don't you're not as sharp to that kind of stuff, um, but yeah, I remember noticing that and being like, no, these these this these particular people, these few people, I should say, I don't want to say they were all that way, but a few of them, I was like, no, these these are definitely not my friends. When when you, when somebody loses somebody that close to him, and you don't seem to give a shit, I'm like that's not a friend. Um, but yeah, I have I really struggle with that word friend. Um, I think we throw it all. I think we throw it around a lot. Like it's nothing. Um, like, oh yeah, my, fr- like a perfect example, my son, he's eight years old and he tells me all the time. oh, I have my friend from school or my friend from, you know, the park or my friend from so-and-so like kids, man, like they're just like anybody they meet is their friend. Right. Um, but truly a friend, I think is like something that is completely different, something that requires more than just, oh, I know this person and now they're my friend, obviously. Um, And I struggle with that. I really do. I struggle with whether I consider somebody a friend. So, for example, the person that I'm telling you about um, from work, like I said, I've gone and seen shows with him. I've gone over to his house. Um, You know, he's come over to help Me move, he's come over to help me with projects, you know, that I had around the house. Like everything on paper says I should just say, Yeah, that guy's my friend. But man, like I I just don't know if I could say it confidently out loud or say it to somebody or shit, even say it directly to him to to look at him in the face and be like, Yeah, you're my friend. I would I would cringe at that. And that is Fucking weird, because that is not something normal. I, I feel like there are people out there, who do have some kind of, I don't want to say disorders like social disorders, but like have some lack of self confidence, have some lack of, you know, or maybe have had some experiences in life that have really fucked them over. So I'm not saying I'm the only one because I grew up a Jehovah's Witness that you know has struggles to make friends or or anything like that. But I'm just saying in my case the reason why i am the way i am i would probably say there is maybe you know a 10 to 30% kind of something genetic something you know that's already kind of um chemically in my brain or something but goddamn i would say 50 to 70% of it is because of the way i grew up and because of some of the fucking weird things that i had to endure not being able to have friends in school, not being able to participate in social activities. I couldn't play sports. I couldn't go to dances. I couldn't have girlfriends. I couldn't do any of the normal things that every kid around me was doing. And then the people that I was supposed to actually let be my friends, there were none because nobody was around my age. Um, You know, there was just adults. And I'm not saying like, you know, you can't look at adults for you know, you know, role models or to help guide some of the youth. But at the same time, you know, if I'm 10, 11, 12 years old, you know, I probably shouldn't be going to a 25, 35 year old grown ass man's house. Right. So that's what I'm saying is I didn't have any, any kids my age to say, well, these are my friends. And then to kind of bring this all together, One of the things that I, now that I'm out of the religion, I have talked to my buddy about is we both agree that there are certain people in the congregation that we miss. We both have acknowledged that. So again, I I know that there are shitty people within the Jehovah's Witness organization, but there also are some awesome people that I miss, that I, I will admit I do truly miss. But, I can't help but wonder if a lot of times we're only considered friends because we have the same religion. So for example, I am no longer a Jehovah's Witness, and I am no longer friends with all those people. I am still friends with my buddy Serge. See, his, the friendship that he and I have has had nothing to do with religion. That is what ultimately brought us together, right? The fact that his mom converted and and that's how we met. But if we took religion aside, like we did, we are best fucking friends. We're brothers. All those other people, none of that has happened with any of those other people. None of them talked to me. None of them have ever asked how I was doing nothing because since they are still in the religion, they still believe that I should not have any reaction with them. So that friendship was not real. Right? So, That is what affects me to this day. This idea that even the friends that I thought were friends, are they really friends? Or are they just the ones that I'm allowed to be friends and vice versa? They are allowed to be friends with me. That's my take on that. Um, So I know I've been at this for, for a little while. I just want to say, I think it's really weird that... Somebody would be treated that way. So, like I said, when I say I wasn't allowed to talk to anybody, I mean I wasn't allowed to talk to anybody. The only reason I had communication with my parents is because I was a minor. And I'll get into that w- more detail in the episode that will be dedicated purely to just th- my time being disfellowshipped. Otherwise, I would not, like I am right now, I do not have communication. I haven't talked to my brother in fucking years. I people I, it's so weird because i'll I'll just make this one last point and then i'll I'll try to wrap it up I remember a few years ago before I moved to Ohio I was traveling for work and I remember I was hanging out with a fellow traveler a lot you know in a small little group and I remember one day she just like out of nowhere I was like hey do you do you have a do you have do you have family and I was like yeah She's like, Oh, She's like, you never talk about them. And <laughs> it's funny because I had to like, kind of stop and be like, yeah, I don't talk about my family. Um, and I, I don't remember exactly what I responded, but I think my response kind of caught her off guard. I didn't go into detail. I didn't explain anything. I didn't say like, Oh, I'm just fellowshiped and I'm not allowed. I just simply said, I, I might've just probably said it's complicated. I don't ever talk about my family to anybody. Um, I have prob I've probably never mentioned to people that you know I have a brother um I've very rarely have ever made a comment about my mother to anybody um everybody just assumes that like oh yeah you have family back home in-, in Wisconsin oh cool you know but the reality is I mean my mom lately you know again we'll, we'll talk about that in, in future episodes, but my brother I for sure have not talked to. Um, in years. So, you know, we're seven years apart. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, just turned 40 not too long ago. Um, I, I want to say since I, the second time and the last time I was a fellowship, cause that's when I truly left the religion. Um, maybe a couple of times I've a seen him and b maybe said like, hello to him. I think one of the, I, I take that back, one of the, sorry, I hit my microphone again. Um, when I was having my, um, my first child with my, um, with my ex, um, when I had my daughter, I remember when I went to go tell, you know, my mom and, and my brother that, you know, she was going to be a grandma and he was going to be an uncle. Then after that, I don't think I've ever talked to him. And even that time before that, I hadn't talked to him in years. So, um, yeah. So that's what I think is part of the problem. With me, like I said, some of it might be just I'm wired a little bit differently, but I think a lot of it does come down to the fact that I was not allowed to have friends. I didn't have any friends in the congregation, and um, I was literally shunned from from the any of the so-called friends I could have. I was shunned from them, and I was still expected to stay, you know, on top of it in school. So I'm shunned from. Um, it got so bad when I was disfellowshipped that, and this kind of contributes a little bit to some of like the financial decisions I've made in my life that I regret. Um, it got to the point where I was so fucking bored out of my mind because I couldn't talk to anybody. I couldn't. The other thing is, when you're disfellowshipped, so Jehovah's Witness, believe it or not, do like to have fun. Okay. They do like to have social gatherings. They do like to. Um, you know, have picnics and, and play sports, you know, as long as it's not organized, you know, they, they like to, you know, have congregation picnics and, and congregation kind of baseball games or basketball games or soccer games. Um, you know, they like to rent clubhouses from, you know, apartment complexes that maybe some brothers live and bring food and bring music and dance like Joe's when it's like to have a good time. Okay. I'll admit that. But if you're disfellowshipped, you're not fucking going to those things. So you are not going to a party, you know, with your brothers and sisters, even though you're not allowed to party with the world. Like you are literally cut off from the organization, but you are still expected to be there and you are still expected to be prepared. So I don't know. Um, I remember I, I used to. I used to fight with my ex about that. Like, she would be like, that's so fucked up that they do that. And I would defend it at the time. And now I'm like, shit, what was I doing defending that? That was actually stupid. Um, so, with religion behind me, um, I still struggle to have friends. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's as easily as I can put it. Um, so, I know I had a lot to say there. Um, I just, I really feel like some of that stuff is, is the more I talk about it, the more I kind of put my notes together, the more I just really start to question things a lot more. So I appreciate everybody listening. If you've made it this far, um, God bless because holy shit, 55 minutes in you're, you're still here. So thank you so much. Um, like I said, I know there's a couple episodes coming here shortly that will be very detailed about a couple of these topics, um, but in the meantime, I hope this served as kind of a intro to some of those topics and at the same time also served as an opportunity for you to see um, what kind of uh, social and psychological ramifications that there can be for a religion like this, such an extreme kind of viewpoint and, and take on religion. So um, if you have any questions or any comments, please send them to with me at gmail I would love to hear what you have to say or what your thoughts are on this topic. I know it's um, one that tends to spark a little debate when people find out that these kind of things are done. So, again, thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, I'll catch you on the next episode. All right. Thank you so much.